Welcome back as we continue on taking you up until 6 o'clock here tonight. Jimmy B and TC, Trent Condon running solo with you this afternoon. But glad to be joined right now with our next guest. You hear his voice Saturdays during college football season. Last week, though, on a Thursday, he's the voice of the Northern Iowa Panthers, Gary Rima, with a big one on deck, North Dakota State, coming up this week. Sports guy, what's a good word? Hey, these are fun ones, aren't they? It's, it's always fun when it's preparation week for a team like North Dakota State. TC, you got, you got the number one ranked team in FCS football coming into your house, defending national champion, winners of six of the last seven FCS national champions. I, you know, I was telling this to some people the other day. How many times in one of your sports teams at your university are you hosting a defending national champion in that particular sport, whatever the sport. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool, and, and so it's, it's always fun. they got a great program, and, you know, led by a, a former UNI Panther player and Chris Kleiman and former UNI guy and Courtney Messingham, their offensive coordinator, Matt Entz, a former UNI uh, coach, is their defensive coordinator. So uh, kind of like old home week for them, but, man, it's, it's such a fun fun week. Uh, it should be a great game, and, and I like the way the Panthers are playing going into this one uh, after a couple of really impressive wins over FCS opponents. Well, North Dakota State comes in, as you talked about, ranked number one. They're undefeated 4-0. Easton Stick, a guy that we've known now the last couple of years, starting when he took over with the injury with Carson Winston and what he's done the last couple of years coming in. They had to uh, work, though, to get by their rival, South Dakota State, a week ago, and it'll be the first time on the road for the Bison as they make their way to the Unidome. How big of a key do you think that is going to be and a leg up for the Panthers? Well, you and I have got to take advantage of that because there are a few new guys on this North Dakota State team that are playing a road game for the first time, and that's where the you know that Panther crowd can impact the game some, but you know, North Dakota State plays in a dome. It's, it's always a little different when you play in somebody else's dome on the road, noise-wise, but, but they, they are used to it. In fact, it, it's interesting, nine of the 11 games that North Dakota State plays this year will be in a dome stadium. I mean, how crazy is that when you think about that? But, um, you know, I, I, the last time the Panthers beat this team, it was, it was a game in the Uni Dome when, when the Bison were, were, uh, coming off the national championship they'd won 33 games in a row and the panthers just played outstanding winning 23 to 3 so you know i think you got to play great you can't turn it over uh you got to get some things going in your running game but you know it's it's one of those games that i i really believe this panther team has enough weapons they've got enough to to pull off the upset this year um, you just you, you got to avoid some of those costly mistakes that have hurt us in previous years, like at their place when you know Eli Dunn threw a pick six and he fumbled three times, and the Bison recovered all three fumbles. You, you have to avoid those kind of mistakes because that's the formula that I think North Dakota State has used over the last seven years to be the, the very best FCS team in the country. Is they they capitalize on your mistakes, they create those kind of turnovers, and then they don't turn it over. They play a bit on the conservative side, pound it at you with the running game, use the play-action pass, and and just uh, you make a mistake, they jump on it, and, and when you get to the end of the game, you're like, wow, they beat us by, 
by seven or they beat us by ten or they beat us by four. But, man, if we don't fumble it, we don't throw a pick six, we can we would have beat these guys. It's just it's amazing that the way they kind of play out their game plan and their formula for victory game in and game out. Tell us a little bit about the quarterback position with Eli Dunn back inserted as a starter. Had that rough start, as everybody did, in a Panther uniform in the first half out at Montana. What you've seen from him bouncing back and the way that he's played over the last three ball games? Well, it, you know, it started when he came in in relief of Colton Howell at the University of Iowa with the Panther offense really, you know, having a actually a worse first half at Iowa than they did with Eli Dunn directing the offense in the first half at Montana. Uh, Colton Howell just couldn't get anything going. Eli Dunn comes in and put together two really impressive touchdown scoring drives against what I think is, is an outstanding Iowa defense, and one of those was a long touchdown scoring drive that, uh, that was really impressive. And I think, I think Eli got his confidence back. If it, if it had been rattled, if he, if he had lost some confidence, he got it back in that second half at Iowa. And then I thought he looked outstanding in the last two games against, uh, let's face it, I mean, I'd say subpar FCS opponents, but, you know, they still game plan. They still try and figure out a way to beat you. And I, I thought Eli did a great job directing the offense. So I, I, I think at least going into this one, he's, he's very confident. I think the offense has found some things, and, and uh, Eli, under his leadership, should do a great job. But, um, you know, I, I, with that said, if there are a couple of hiccups or a couple of things maybe don't go just right, they're going to run some wildcat with Marcus Miller. They may slip Colton Howell in there for a series. It's never going to be a rotating quarterback situation. It's never going to be where this guy's going to definitely run the third or fourth series. But uh, I do think that it's definitely Eli Dunn's team moving forward. But if, if the coaching staff just wants to give that that Bison defense a little different look somewhere during the game, they may have something up their sleeve uh, for this one. But um, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to see how Eli performs because he probably did have one of his, his worst games as the Panther quarterback uh, at the Fargo Dome where he, he did fumble it three times and, and threw a pick six. I, I think he'd like to redeem himself with a, a great outing on Saturday. Gary Rima, the voice of the UNI Panthers, joining us and uh, talking about the quarterback. The Grinnell Gunslinger, is that the one that you use? What's your nickname for Eli Dunn? I like that. I like that because <laughs> that's what he is. He's not, he's not a true dual-threat guy. He's not a, he's not a guy that's just going to take off and run like Easton Stick will be able to do. But, I, that, you know, just listening to some of the, the media people from Fargo talk about Eli Dunn and his game and, and the Panthers – you know, they, they just they don't think Eli is mobile at all. And I'm, I'm hoping he shows them to, uh, on Saturday that he does have some mobility. He's got some escape ability. He can avoid the sack. And when he has to, he is able to run the football. Now, he's, he's nothing like a, a Terrell Rennie or some of the dual-threat quarterbacks we've had. But he is not a guy that just has to stay in the pocket and, and do nothing but throw the football. So I'm, I'm hoping he breaks a little bit of that out on Saturday. He hasn't really had to in the last two games, but if the Grinnell gunslinger has to use his legs to, to keep a couple drives alive, I'd like to see him break that out. Back to a week ago and the victory over Indiana State, we saw a breakout performance out of Trevor Allen. And of course, 
the Allen name is one that that people know in the UNI community with the father, uh, Andre, and what he did when he was on campus in Cedar Falls. Trevor, big game out of him against Indiana State. Is this something that can springboard him forward? Oh, absolutely, TC. And I, I tell you what, I love the way he's running the football right now. He's He's running with power. He's knocking guys over. He's showing us some elusive moves. He's, I think he's a guy that just has really been waiting for his opportunity to, to be one of the key running backs in this program. If you remember his first couple of years, yeah, they used him at running back a little bit, but they used him more as a slot receiver, um, you know, threw it to him in the passing game. But uh, they're really looking at him now as, as one of our marquee running backs. And I, I think he's just embracing that whole opportunity. Mar- Marcus Weimiller is still going to be involved in the running game. Marcus is that, that bruiser that can get you two, three, four, five yards. He's going to run away from anybody. But I'll tell you what, Trevor Allen can. And he had a couple of runs at Indiana State that were just so impressive. And, you know, we're, we're facing a tremendous rush defense on Saturday. That North Dakota State will hang their hat on trying to not only stop but shut down our running game. If we can spring Trevor Allen, he runs with the authority and aggressiveness that I've seen him the last couple of games. That's going to be a big key for us to to do what we want to do offensively, not only get first downs, get scores, keep our defense on the sideline so they're not on the field too much and, and just be totally wore down in the fourth quarter, which is another part of that formula that, that North Dakota State likes to use to beat you. So. Trevor Allen is now, uh, he's a huge, huge part of this offense, especially in the running game. And they got a few things for him, too, in the passing game. But, man, the way, the way he's running the football, T.C., it's, it's really been fun to watch. You know, when you play North Dakota State, you got to be fundamentally sound. You can't make mistakes, as you talked about, Gary. But you got to stop what they do up front running the football. And we talk yeah. about... Carson Wentz, Easton Stick here as of late. We talk about the quarterback position first, but this is a team predicated on running the football. What have you seen out of the Panthers up front? At the very least, do you think they can slow down this Bison attack? Well, I, I like I like what we're doing up front. Uh, Bryce Pop is back, and he's doing a lot of the things, TC, that we did uh, a few years ago under his leadership with with that defensive line, and he's rotating in using seven or eight guys, keeping guys fresh. Um, he, he's got a great plan on, on how to slow down a team. And, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. North Dakota State is going to come in, and they're going to want to ball control it, time of possession. They're one of the best teams in the nation, time of possession. They're going to do it with Bruce Anderson and Lance Dunn running the football. But then Easton Stick at quarterback, I mean, this guy, you talk about a dual threat. Uh, last week in their big win over South Dakota State, he ran for six first downs. Four of them were on third down plays. So he's a huge key to what they do uh, in their offensive scheme of things. That's a big challenge for this UNI defense. But I, I, with Ricky Neal and Seth Thomas on the edge, with Bryce Douglas down in the trenches, and, and then there's four or five other guys that are going to rotate in. Brickman's been playing great. Uh, Bronte Wells has been showing up here of late. Uh, they've got some guys that Hezekiah Applegate, I mean, those guys are doing a job down in the trenches. If they can hold their own, and it's, it's the one thing coming off the Iowa loss that Coach Farley was really upset with. He didn't think that defensive front, that line, uh, 
did a good job at all of, of holding that line of scrimmage, controlling the, the line of scrimmage. Ever since then, they've been great. This is the next big challenge in that department since the loss at Iowa. If we do our job up front defensively, that, that's going to keep us in the game. But another huge key to this one on Saturday is, is that aspect of the game. Watch for that early if the defense is, is doing its job in, in that front four, front seven, and, and not letting them just methodically march it downfield with a punishing running game that they mix in that play-action pass that uh, is so hard to defend when, you're, when your running game is on track. 1 o'clock kickoff on Saturday. It is you and I against number 1 North Dakota State here and here on 1700 with the pregame straight up at noon. Gary, before we let you go, just a quick hit on basketball. The schedule is out. They'll be in the Paradise Jam this year. If you need somebody to go to the Virgin Islands for you, you know I am available for that, Gary, so just putting that out there. But uh, pretty good schedule overall. The Panthers, I think it's pretty simple, right? Got to find some help up front with that front court. Yeah, I think that's a key. We've got to get great inside play this year, better inside play. Hey, TC, one of the things that's been kind of exciting here, just talking with some of the UNI staff, is the return of Seth Tuttle. He's on the he's a grad assistant helping on the coaching staff, and they said just in the first four or five practices, he's had a huge impact on our inside players from Austin Fife to Justin Dahl to Biggie Goldman, the new kid, mm-hmm. uh, the transfer. So I, I look for some improvement in, in that front line. I, I really think we're going to be better. Uh, we hate to lose Bennett Cook, but I, I, I really think that we're going to see some big-time improvement out of a guy like Austin Fife, and I, Goldman's a good piece. The other exciting news, and I'm sure you shared it with your audience, but uh, Trey Burhow, the mm-hmm. transfer from Pepperdine, who was one of he was a one of the five finalists for Mr. Basketball in the state of Minnesota two years ago, his senior year in high school, played one year at Pepperdine, transfers to UNI, supposed to sit out a year. He gets a waiver from the NCAA and is cleared to play right away. I mean, here's a kid that, that averaged 30 minutes a game for Pepperdine, started 26 games, let him in three-point shooting percentage, let him in three-point shots made, 6'5 kid, kind of along the lines of a Isaiah Brown type build, uh, mix him in with Pickford and Lowhouse and AJ Green. Uh, I, I think the backcourt looks really, really good. So him getting that that waiver so he can play right away really helps because uh, the word is Trey Cross, the transfer from Iowa Central, is redshirting and and uh, will not see action this year. So I, I think I think exciting times around you and I basketball. We're always super optimistic this time of the year, but. I think we're in for a really good year. I think it's going to be fun. I think the Valley's going to be really good. 37 of the 50 starting players are back off the 10 teams in the Valley. Think about that. This league did not lose a lot to graduation, so looking forward to what I think is going to be a really, really fun year in the Valley. The state of Illinois is certainly going to be stacked up, not only Loyola, but Illinois State, as long as they get past their suspensions. Bradley, uh, Southern should be pretty good. Going to be a fun race in the MVC this year, but we got a little football before that. And I'll wait for the phone call, Gary, if you can't make it to the Virgin Islands, okay? <laughs> I'm, I may just take you along with me. Oh, what the heck? yeah. Always use a little help, brother. Oh, I, I'll carry your luggage. I'll do whatever you need to. I mean, if you're taking me to the Virgin Islands, Gary, I'm all in. I'm Sounds all in good. for that one. We'll talk again Sounds soon. Good. Thanks for your time.
Thanks, TC. That is Gary Ryma, the voice of the UNI Panthers. Home and away, every game here. Football, men's basketball, we have you covered on 1700. Yeah, the Paradise Jam is where the Panthers are going this year for their exempt tournament. Open things up. Wartburg, Upper Iowa, a couple exhibitions, Bemidji State. Road trip to UT Arlington, who has been a really good team throughout the years. They go to Old Dominion, solid mid-major. Utah State, solid mid-major. The game here in Des Moines against Iowa, the Big Four Classic, obviously a good game. Grand Canyon, Dan Marley's got that program up and running. It's, it's a very difficult schedule again, and it's scheduling smart. Ben Jacobson always does that, and the MVC, Gary, just told you how good it has a chance to be coming up this year. Getting Pickford back healthy, Taiwan Pickford, we saw him last year as a freshman. Just a different kind of guy. 6'4", great athletic ability. Getting him healthy, though, if you can play him at the 4, Gary talked about those other big guys, and then you got the freshman A.J. Green, Wyatt Lowhouse in the backcourt, maybe it's Burr Howe that's out there in a three-guard lineup, and you go that route, I think it's something that Ben Jacobson certainly can toy with. Has a chance to be a fun season, and that's not even to mention Isaiah Brown, Spencer Haldman, two guys that have done good things now as juniors. Luke McDonald, now what can he give to the lineup? Going to be good. Going to be a good year for you and I, but before that, a lot of football. We get the break. Coming back on the other side, we're talking Big Ten football. Ken Silverstein joins me next. Jimmy B and TC on 1700. Back with you on Jimmy B and TC. Trent Cotton running solo again today on a Thursday. But I got Ken Silverstein here. Time to get into some Big Ten football, maybe even some basketball. Ken, how are things out in Ohio? Good. Um, we've had uh, a nice stretch of warm weather, which is uh, shocking for uh, early uh, October, but we'll take it. The sad part is, for some teams, we're getting near the halfway point of the season, which I don't know where the first, depending on the number of games you play, but I think you catch my drift here. This uh, part of the season has already flown by. It's unbelievable. It, it really has. And as we get towards uh, the middle portion of the schedule in the back half, it goes Way too fast every single year. And before we start to tackle the football a little bit deeper, first, uh, the FBI case with college basketball is happening right now. Does this interest you at all? Do do your ears perk up when you hear Big Ten programs being involved or, or the, the story at all? Because as much as I love college basketball, I find myself just not really caring about this case. How about you? No, I'm into it. Um, maybe because I've covered so many recruiting scandal stories going all the way back, God, I'm dating myself here, to 1979, 1980, and, and onward, and programs that have been involved, both football and basketball. Now, this is a basketball scandal, but um, I've covered more football scandals for whatever reason, because I've worked in the South for a lot of years, um, but I've had my share of hoop scandals also. So, yeah, it does pique my interest. Um, I think it's going to hurt the sport. I think it's going to hurt certain programs. And there are various reasons why we're in the boat we're in in regards to this case. Uh, Everything from sleazy assistant coaches and head coaches turning the cheek and looking in the other direction and not wanting to know, quote, quote, that's one issue. The, quote, summer circuit, if you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. whether you want to call it the AAU circuit or whatever you want to call it, um, that has had enough sleaze, what I would call the go-between, the sugar daddies. Um, if you go back to the University of Michigan, the Fab Five scandal of years gone by, and you'll study that one. 
I think you see where I'm going with in regards to, quote, a sugar daddy or more. So, look, um, this has been going on forever. Um, some kids, the Boston College situation, the Northwestern situation, um, where you've had sports gambling involved, quote, quote, skimming games or throwing games in regards to differentials and point spreads and so forth have been a scandal in college hoops going all the way back to the 50s uh, when this stuff was more rampant than you might want to believe. So there is a history of this stuff. Um, I can remember a few years, this is going back a few years ago, where a certain kid was being recruited by a major SEC school. They sent him a bunch of money via one of the mail services, and somehow what happened was when it went through the mail sorter at your local mail venue where they separate mail so the mail carrier can go to your house or, or your business, wherever it was being sent to, and it was being sent to a West Coast location, it split the envelope open and a bunch of money started falling <laughs> out on the floor. Okay? Well, obviously they figured out where it was supposed to go to, and that program, a major SEC school, got in trouble uh, for that violation. So, yes, I'm interested. Um, does it affect whether or not I love the game? No, I don't think it does because my eyes are wide open to this stuff. Will it come to an end? No. No, no, it won't come to an end because people have to pay the mortgage. People have to, you know, put their kids through school or whatever. Um, and coaches and others are going to look the other way and cheat. And kids are going to have their hands out. And if the kids don't have their hands out, then mom and dad or some uncle or some uh, hanger-on will have their hand out. So, uh, look, a bunch of people are going to go to da- are going down. A bunch of people are going to go to jail, mm-hmm. most likely. But is it going to come to an end? No. no. And that's not being cynical. That's just being real. It is. That is the reality of the situation. The reality is, and it's not just college basketball, same type of things happen in college football. Happens all over the place. And you mentioned going back in the day, it's funny, obviously this is Iowa-Minnesota week, the battle for Floyd of Rosedale. Well, the reason that kind of all came into being and the pig was put on the line was because Minnesota wanted to get Iowa kicked out of the Big Ten because yeah. of a slush fund back in the 1930s, almost yeah. 100 years ago. The, the, you said it's been going on forever. Long, long memories for yes. a lot of folks. Yes. Please, could you just give it up, all right? <laughs> Look, this stuff has been going on. You make a great point. It's going on in football. It has been going on. The list of schools that have had issues in either both sports, which is a lengthy one, or just one sport. Um, what's the old expression? If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Mm-hmm. I think you've heard that one before. I'm not condoning that. I'm not saying that I agree with it. I'm just telling you it's out there. You've heard it. I've heard it. Uh, I used to work with somebody in, in radio uh, for a lot of years that used to use that phrase all the time for a lot of things in life. So, uh, you know, look, um, there are different reasons why people uh, step over the line. And some of them, some of them are a little bit more uh, legitimate than others, and then others are just because usually to he sometimes it's even a she when it comes to let's say uh, women's big time college hoops. But we'll keep it to the guys in football and, and men's uh, basketball. It's just a bad apple, just a bad guy mm-hmm. who knows the rules 
and for whatever reason says, you know what, I'm not going to get caught. Uh, I'm going to take my chances. This is the only way I'm going to be able to compete. And so-and-so is doing it, so we got to do it. And uh, I'll give you a quick story. Um, this is, oh, God, this is a long time ago. The only reason I bring this up is because he's a big-name player. Long, long time ago, there was a running back uh, later in the NFL named Eric Dickerson. And Eric at one time was a standout in high school football in Texas around 1980-81, give or take. And he was, you talk about a stud, this kid was a man playing with toddlers, okay? <laughs> and he came from, when you say dirt poor, I'm telling you, this was dirt poor, okay? When I was sent to cover him in the early 80s, when this story started to blow up in the state of Texas, we went to his grandmother's house. The floor, when we walked in this small house, was a dirt floor. Mm. Okay, that'll give you an idea what kind of money we're dealing with, or like they're up. Well, to cut to the chase, Ron Meyer is coaching at SMU. Jackie Sherrill is coaching at Texas A&M. Texas A&M and SMU are going to do anything they can to get Eric Dickerson. So A&M decides to skirt and push the limit, and without going into all the details, let's just put it this way, they do something pretty sleazy. Mm-hmm. Okay? So SMU finds out what A&M did, and Ron Meyer and his people, and they'll deny this until the cows come home. If you watch the 30-30 piece that ESPN did a couple years ago on SMU football, you'll see this story. Okay, I covered it along with many others who were working in Dallas and Houston, San Antonio radio and TV newspaper back in those days. The long and the short is Ron Meyer got whiff of it and said, whoa, we, we can't lose this kid. Let's double down and let's do something even sleazier. So what does Dickerson do? Dickerson takes what, and he denies all this, okay, whatever. He, fine, he can deny it until the cows come home, okay? <laughs> what happens is he then takes what A&M gives them and then takes what SMU gives them, and a- A&M is screwed because they can't call the NCAA for a violation on SMU because they gave them something, and they know they can't call the NCAA because of it. So Dickerson ends up signing with SMU, and as they say, the rest is history. Him. So these things, whether it's football or hoops, have been going on. I have been, I have covered so many of these scandals. I believe me, I could write more than a couple books on this stuff. <laughs> and uh, him and Craig Janes, the Pony Express, back yeah, with Pony SMU. Express. Now, Craig, Craig came from. Let's just put it this way: Craig came from a lot more money. Yes, yes. And Craig did not, to the best of my knowledge, Craig did not receive any. He didn't need any, but. You know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. No and doubt. again, everybody denies this stuff, and that's fine. They can deny it. You can go back and watch the 30 for 30 on SMU, and you can see what they did, what they were accused of, and, and so forth. And Dickerson is part of it. And, you know, fine. They can deny it until, pardon the expression, the cows come home. Doesn't make a difference. That's what many of us who they covered that thing, we will stand by it. Well, good stuff. From that to the here and now, Ken Silverstein joining us. A look at the Big Ten. Ohio State, Penn State, it was a great football game, but James Franklin, he's got a lot of questions. And, of course, people are talking about that fourth down and five play call and going with the zone read with McSorley and not letting him roll out and throw the football. But it wasn't just that. Up five doesn't go for two. That that one, an absolute head-scratcher. I think even more head-scratching than that play call two different times inside the Ohio State 40-yard line. 
they punt it back. It just there was a lot here left to be desired in my mind for James Franklin, the game day coach. Yeah, he has a reputation of not being a great game coach. He, um, I think he has shown in the last two meetings against Ohio State where they have blown huge leads, um, both double-digit leads, uh, one in Columbus and now one uh, Saturday night in, in Happy Valley, that those two, among some other decisions, some other games over the years, have painted him into a corner where myself and many others figure that he is a much better recruiter than he is a game coach. And I, I wholly agree with not only my opinion of it, but anybody else who has said it over the last couple of years, whatever. Whether he was at Vandy where he had less talent or at Penn State where he's got a lot more uh, talent than he had in Nashville. So, look, there are a lot of coaches like that. Bobby Bowden was that way. There are many guys who win a lot of games who are much better recruiters than they are game coaches. And then there are guys who are great game coaches and that aren't very good recruiters. Okay, <laughs> Very few guys are both. Very few guys are both at the same level, at a very high, high level. Okay, uh, And we could debate for a long, long time who fits door number one, door two, or door three. But I think you make a very good point or points when you question many of his decisions and um, I think they also got tired. Um, they still have a depth issue problem. Um, he's recruiting at a high level, but it's still not as high as Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia or Clemson. Those have been your four top programs recruiting-wise over the last two to five years. He's getting closer, but he's not there, and I'm not sure he's ever going to get there. Um, and there, and we don't have enough time to go into every reason. Um, I just, I just don't know if he's ever going to get there. I think he's always going to be able to win ten a year. I just don't know if he'll get to the Alabama, Georgia, Clemson area code where you're a perennial Final Four team. Could be wrong. He hasn't gotten there yet, and I just, I just don't know. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to get this program. I know what he said in the post game. Some really interesting sound bites. I get it. Uh, he's got to be diabolical or whatever the word he used. Um, but I just, I just don't know because of where they're located. Number two, the division they're in, because the kind of kid that he needs to get him over the top. He's going to fight every year with Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and et cetera. And he's just not going to win enough of those battles. He's a really good recruiter. I'll give him that. Mm -hmm. But I just don't know if he's at. He doesn't have. When, when it comes down to it, when Saban walks in with the jewelry, when Meyer walks in with the jewelry, when Sweeney walks in with the jewelry, he walks in with squat. That's one of the problems. Then it's separated by if you've won multi-championships. If you're going for that top 10, 15 player nationally, no matter what position. He got Micah Parsons this past year at a Harrisburg PA because Ohio State and Alabama backed off because there were some issues with some off-the-field issues. And Micah played a little bit in the game and 
made a play or two. I was watching for him, and I think he's going to be a really good player. Penn State rolled the dice on Micah Parsons because he was a Pennsylvania kid, and Penn State's got to roll the dice on that kind of kid. One, because he's statewide, and two, because that's the kind of kid who goes to Alabama or where or Clemson or Ohio State or Georgia right now. And so he took them. It might work. It might not work. We'll see in the next year or two. No one will dispute Micah Parsons' talent. The question is, can he walk the straight and narrow and stay away from the bad guys who are out there? Big Ten slate this week, uh, not as compelling as what we had, obviously, a week ago with Ohio State and Penn State. But the uh, the nightcap on BTN, Nebraska going to Wisconsin, an 0-4 start for the Cornhuskers, but, but deeper than the four losses. Ken, I was trying to tell you throughout the summer that Nebraska wasn't going to be very good this year. I know people were trying to find six. It just with the schedule, I saw no way it was going to happen. This is worse than anticipated, but I think there's bigger concerns than just the 0-4 record. All four games, double digits in terms of penalties. Just some dumb, dumb plays from this football team. Yeah. I, I know Rome no, wasn't right. built in a day, but I think this is just deeper than hey, we got some work to do building out of this hole. I wonder about Scott Frost a little bit right now. Well, they're, they're, they are going to get blown out Saturday. Okay, I mean, because they just don't tackle. And I, I mentioned last week, and I don't. I've been doing this a long time, and this is one phrase that I, I shy away from, like opening Pandora's box. I want to run from that box, but I don't see a lot of um, desire, let's say. Yeah. Um, I see desire waning, and he, he's losing kids. Lindsey just left. Lindsey just left the other day. He was a top 50 player at a Gorman High School in Las Vegas. Arguably, arguably, one of the top 10 high school football programs in the country. His quarterback at that time was Tate Martell, who will be the starter next year at Ohio State when uh, Haskins goes to the NFL, most likely after one year as a starter. Lindsey was a big-time player coming out of high school. Ohio State looked at him, Alabama. Ohio State went after him really, really hard, and they thought they had him, and then something happened, and he backed away. Fine, his decision. He's a kid. He has a right to go wherever he wants. So he surprises a couple people. He goes to Nebraska. Now he's gone. Now, I don't know if it's all Lindsey's fault. I don't know if it's Scott Frost and his position coach's fault. All I know is you can't be losing top 50 kids who are wide receivers who can make plays potentially for you, okay? That's the kind of kid you got to hold on to. Now, if he's a real, real problem or if he's not getting any grades and you got to cut him, okay, then you got to cut him. I, I have not seen – I've seen some speculation. Maybe you can help me, Trent. I've not seen why Lindsey has left Nebraska. All I can tell you is that's not good. You can't, I mean, look, I, I get when you're in your first year, you want your own guys, you want people to buy into the program, and if you feel kids aren't buying in, you want to jettison them as soon as possible. I get that. I also get that you want to make an example of some kids so that you send a message to everybody else. I get this totally. But I'll go back to, you don't want to lose top 50 kids. It's Nebraska. It's hard. It's not that easy to recruit right now. At Nebraska, you got one metropolitan area in Omaha and a bunch of smaller communities and towns. 
There aren't. This isn't Florida or California or Georgia or, you know what I'm saying. There aren't players on every corner here. So you gotta, you gotta be. You can't be losing top fifty kids. There may be a reason, a reason for it, and if they're good ones, then fine. You got to jettison the kid, and the kid is left, and who knows where he'll end up? I have no idea where uh, Lindsey will end up. Um, it won't be Ohio State, I can tell you that. Uh, where else? I don't know. But I'm with you. Um, this is this is looking like a two win season right now. Yeah. And I don't think anybody, and I'm I'm guilty. I bought it. I, I'm Trent. <laughs> I tried back to up, tell you, Ken. I tried to I know, tell you. Back up the truck, baby. <laughs> Roll me over. <laughs> time to call 911. I'm bleeding. Yeah. Okay, time to call the local local hospital. I'm in an ambulance. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm bleeding on the street. Uh, yeah, I bought in. I, let's put it this way. Maybe I'll make an excuse here. I'm not saying I bought in 100%, but I'm guilty enough that I'm being rolled over the F-150 truck, let's say, or whatever truck you're driving or whomever's driving it. Um, yeah, I um, I bought in more than I should have. I, I just, I'm watching it, and I'm shaking my head going, I don't, I'm not sure what they're trying to do offensively. They're awful defensively. They don't play smart. Um, I mean, they got a couple athletes. I mean, I like some of their wide receivers. I think Martinez in a year or so is going to be more than fine. I think he's going to be better than that. I think I think the kid from Fresno, California, is going to be pretty good. Maybe better than that. But right now, it's oh, it's a freight train that's taking. It's running off the tracks. It's hit a ditch, and I'm not sure uh, that uh, the crane is going to be able to lift the uh, freight back onto the tracks to get it on down the road. I, I just not. It ain't happening this year. And um, here's what happens. He comes in with a lot of fanfare. And I'll, I'll move it away from Scott Frost for the time being and say Coach X, Y, or Z. You come in with a lot of fanfare because you had success elsewhere. Okay. And nothing works in the first year. You go, I don't know, let's say 3-8, and 3-9, whatever the record, 2-10, and ten, whatever the record will be. He was able to recruit this class, okay, off of what he did elsewhere. He had the momentum. Mm-hmm. It becomes more difficult, this recruiting class currently, which will be able to sign in December of 18 and then February of 19, because the kid or kids are going to look at it and go, oh, wait a second here. This thing looks like a disaster. Now, maybe there's two ways to look at it. One, kid looks at it and says, hey, it's a disaster. I need to go elsewhere because I want to win. I want to win now. Or maybe a kid says, hmm, this thing is such a disaster. I can play early because there, there ain't nothing in front of me, and I can get on the field ASAP. I don't know. Maybe you can spin it, spin it that way. If you're Scott Frost and his staff and say, hey, we need you. You can help us turn this thing around. And you know what? We don't have a lot in front of you. Quite frankly, I'm not bad-mouthing anybody. Mm-hmm. But you can see what we have. And if you sign with us, you can play as a true freshman. We won't redshirt you, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe he can spin it that way. But I can tell you one thing. If he doesn't turn it around in year two, you know and I know, it becomes a lot more difficult. So let's see. Right now, Jonathan Taylor is going to have a field day against <laughs> these guys. I'll pose it to you. How many yards will Jonathan Taylor rush for against the Huskers Saturday? If he plays the whole game, 250-plus. I don't know if he's played the full game, though. It's, I don't think he's going to. Yeah, yeah, he'll I, get I, out I, of here. I'm going to guess 
150 to 175, yep. he plays basically three quarters ish. You know, then they get him out because they have other people and right. don't want to get him hurt because he's that good of a running back. Yeah, we both agree this is not going to be pretty. I mean, they made Purdue look. Purdue can throw it around the yep. field. Yep. Blau does a nice job, and the freshman out of Louisville is a real talented kid. The more, the more kid. Okay, he's going to be most likely freshman of the year and the Big Ten and well deserved. But it's still Purdue. It is, I mean, Jeff Brown's doing a nice job. But we're not talking here about Penn State here. Right. Right? We're not yep. talking about you know one of the elites of the conference. So if Purdue did, does that at on the road, that, that game is in Lincoln last week. If they did what they did, what's going to happen in Madison at night? Ugly. It, ugly is what it's going to be, Ken. Ugly, ugly, ugly. Hey, we're out of time. we got to run. We'll talk again next week. Look forward to it. Talk to you next Thursday. Ken Silverstein checking in with us. A wide-ranging conversation with Ken. Back with more. We cap things on the other side on 1700. Trent Cotton back with you one final time. A little programming note for tomorrow. Talked about this earlier. We are locked and loaded, ready to go. 5 o'clock start tomorrow with Johnston and Indianola, our Central Iowa game of the week. We'll hear from the coaches at about 4.40, right into the ball game, 5 o'clock tomorrow night. So as you're driving around tomorrow, an early start here on 1700 with our Central Iowa game of the week. Then over the weekend, we got UNI football. They play 1 o'clock kick on Saturday in their matchup against number 1-ranked North Dakota State. Sunday, the Chiefs will be here. We'll have Sunday night football with the Cowboys and the Texans. Back on Monday with our normal programs, myself and Ken from noon until 2. Jimmy B and TC from 4 until 6 o'clock. And then Monday night football, going to be busy. Always a good thing, though. Better than the alternative. Baseball tonight, we've got Braves, of course, matching up in their game as they go up against the Dodgers game one of the NLDS there. And Thursday night football, we'll have the call with the Colts and New England. And just a couple of hits on that. I don't like betting big favorites. I am a I'm a dog player. I like the dogs. The dogs barking. That's a good thing for me. But I do have to tell you, I'm liking New England in this spot. And it scares me because Ken sees it that way. Jimmy B sees it that way. A lot of people see it that way. It's another thing. I don't like going where everyone else is going as it pertains, and especially in the NFL. But I'm looking out right now, the consensus lines that are out there, the betting percentages, at least offshore, 75% of the cash is on New England, 77% of the tickets. It's, I don't know, it keeps going higher and higher. I I guess I'm going to lay it tonight. What I like more, though, is what you can get with Julian Edelman to score a touchdown tonight. I got it earlier today. I think it was 275, plus 280, right in that range. That's probably my favorite play of the night and uh, one that I'll be holding on to that ticket with dear life. We will be back tomorrow on a football Friday starting at noon. Myself and Ken Miller, as always, we'll get our last look at the Cyclones with Dylan Montz, our last look at the Hawkeyes with Tom Kakert, the voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, will be here, Dave Sinekin on the Packers, Bama Bob with college football, and, of course, our picks. A good week for Ken, not so good for your boy TC. Kenoff, though, to a 16-8-1 start against the number. He is red hot. I'm hovering a shade under 500. I'll work to do better. I will put that in the worksheet for tonight. Better picks for you tomorrow. That comes your way from 12 until 2. Jimmy B and TC then 
from 4 till 5, right into high school football with Johnston and their matchup against Indianola, that top 10 matchup, and moved up because of the possibility of thunderstorms. That will be our game starting at 5 o'clock here on 1700. Thanks to everybody out there for listening in. Back at it tomorrow. Have a good night.